HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sam Ben Ruby from the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We're the guys that bring wine to the people. This is Heritage Radio Network on tour. We're broadcasting live from the Le Creuset podcast studio at Charleston Wine and Food. Go to heritageradionetwork.org backslash Charleston 2019 to see our full interview schedule. Thank you to Lake Creuset and the Julia Child Foundation for making Heritage Radio Network on tour at Charleston Wine and Food possible. All right, we got a great show. I don't want to uh, toot my horn, but this may be the most fun show of the weekend, okay? All right, all right. We got some cool guys here. We got a lot of wine. Hey, do we have a corkscrew? I think we got a corkscrew. All right, so let's get this stuff open. All right. So welcome to the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, our Grape Nation edition. Um, we have a very special show. It's our Sunday Psalm show. It's probably the best and brightest, most talented, coolest wine people um, in Charleston. Matt Tunstall is the proprietor of Stems and Skins in Park Circle in North Charleston. He was named a James Beard Award semifinalist for Outstanding Wine Program for this year. Thank you. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you, buddy. Um, his... His uh, bar, wine bar, wine bar restaurant, Stems and Skins, was one of the first natural wine bars to open in Charleston, promoting freaky ferments. <laughs> we have sommelier Femio Yadarin and Miles White. They are the co-owners of Graf Wine Shop on King Street in Charleston. Um, both have come through the Charleston uh, restaurant scene and, along with Matt, have created a true wine destination. Um, these guys just celebrated your first year, right? Congratulations. Congratulations, absolutely. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Let's get started. Let's dig into this. All right. All right, so uh, Femi and Miles, you just celebrated your first uh, anniversary. Tell people what you're doing at Graft, you know, what's going on, what your vision was, and how you're uh, pulling it off. Uh, yeah, I think, well, you know, Femi and I have been friends for a super long time, and um, we kind of came together under one vision, and, and we became friends because we are both kind of enjoy the same things and I think a lot of that revolves around when did your paths cross uh, we met about 10 years ago where at the Charleston Grill we got okay. hired uh, our first restaurant jobs together okay. we were food runners at the Charleston Grill um, and we became fast friends and uh, we kind of independently became into we got into wine um, yeah I think we were uh, 
we, we really got along well because we enjoyed, we had the same taste in music at the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you're cool. I can hang out with you. Well, Finney was, <laughs> Finney was doing a lot of music at the time. He was uh, producing and bringing really cool people into town, almost like a little ahead of his time. And I, it was all music that I was really into. So naturally, like, that was a really common binder for us. I was only 19 Miles. at the time, so wine And both like, you guys Miles worked actually, for Rick. Yeah, and at the time when I was doing music, Miles had actually introduced me to two of two bands that had to become like the, the two of the biggest like uh, artists that I worked with at the time. Um, I had never heard about them until Miles kind of gave me the heads up. He'd yeah. be like, hey, you need to book these people. And I'd be like, sure. Which really? ones? <laughs> which ones? Yeah. Alright, <laughs> so, All right, so which cool. ones were those? those like two, uh, you introduced me to Two Fresh. <laughs> two Fresh. And, Let's jump. Yeah, and, and Bert Peterson. Bert Let's Peterson, jump forward. Right. Yeah. So you guys yeah. meet at uh, Charleston Place. Yeah. The restaurant. You guys work under uh, Rick Rubel's tutelage. Um, about a year ago, I mean, you're good grand friends for 10 years already. About a year ago, and probably some previous planning to that, you decided yeah. to what? Pack it in and... It was about three years ago, It was honestly. about three years ago you yeah. started planning it? Was it? Yeah, about three years ago, we, sure. uh, I had just finished working Harvest in Oregon, and my whole family's here. And uh, Femi, I think it kind of reached a point with his career. I'll obviously let him talk, but I think he was had kind of hit a ceiling here in Charleston. Um, and... We call it like the fateful lunch, where we had lunch one day with my father. That's where you plotted everything yeah. out. We, yeah. um, we had a lunch at actually Bull Street Gourmet, which was owned by oh, his nice. partner. Uh, right. And uh, it was me, him, and his father, and we were just talking about you know what moves to make. And uh, you know Miles was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. He, you know, he's a big family man. I think he wanted to hang out with his family as much as possible, looking for an excuse to do so. And um, we both just started talking about wine in Charleston and where it was at and what we wanted from it. And, uh, you know, it was a long conversation that kind of ended in, uh, you know, uh, the resolution that we wanted to create something together. Right. And, um, and you had to have a vision of what you wanted to execute yeah. or what you thought Charleston needed. And yeah. In a nutshell, what was that? Well, you know, Miles and I have had such a great time over the years, you know, um, just hanging out, being friends, and, and drinking wine and sharing wine with a lot of our friends. So extend that vibe. And, yeah, and the way we do it is, you know, it's, you know, usually like, you know, we put on some, you know, loud rap music that we love, and, you know, we crack open bottles and we have a good time, and, you know, it's... It's never been about, you know, the, the wine has always been great and, you know, our friends don't necessarily always know what they're drinking, but they love it. And, you know, it's the company that we really enjoy, you know, great wine accentuates but great you, company. You create the, you create the environment to, for We that. wanted to create a vibe like right. that. And yeah. I, think, I think this past year has been, there's been a lot of things that have been really difficult, but at the end of the day, like the, the, the program that we're trying to run is amazingly simple. Right. Nobody said it was going to be easy. And Matt, it's been what about three years? Just over three years. Yeah. Three years. Congratulations Thank and you. congratulations on the James Beard nomination. Thank you very That's much. a big deal. Thank and you. I don't know if it's called changes, but you're doing some things there. I think you're taking a more serious posture towards food. You brought a chef in, or we did. Yes. Is that fair to is that yeah, a fair description? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'd always had you know wine friendly kind of snacky hors d'oeuvre kind of vibe right. food, cheese, that, exactly. sliced, iberical right. ham, some smaller plates with the ten seafood. Has been doing well, has always done well for us, and, and great with wines. But uh, we just noticed we were missing a lot of people that wanted more substantial meals to go uh, when they came in. Um, so they'd come in for a glass of wine, and then they go for dinner. Or a lot of people come after have dinner in the neighborhood and um, have something uh, digestif or something along those lines. <clears throat> so we just wanted to try to capture more people for dinner and kind of spread more of um, 
you know, that, that wine-friendly food, Mediterranean vibe food that we uh, have been known for. And the menu's up and running? Menu's up and running, yeah, for about there, six uh, months. Yeah, for about six months now or so. Mm-hmm. All right, so we all agree Matt's somewhat of a natural wine evangelist, right? Is that I think, fair to I, think, I think he's a good wine evangelist. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah wine evangelist and natural, and you guys are supportive of, well, you I know, say, sustainable, yeah, I think low-intervention wine guys. Yeah, I, I think even when I was saying Femi was ahead of his time with music, like, if Matt was way ahead of his time, and I think luckily, like, it has caught on like wildfire and in a way that I think is super representative of what's going on in this town, because I think natural wine gets tossed around a lot and as a term natural wine yeah, sure. i'm not and, sure that's the term i think yeah i think matt but Femi and myself kind of share a similar vision of like absolutely that doesn't matter to us a lot of the times the wines that we enjoy are made that way because if you make them well it's a lot harder to without make without singling them out yeah. it's a harder, wines it's harder product to, to make yeah. and i think usually those people are a little more passionate um and make a better product and they just happen to be lower intervention so if we had to Call it natural wine or call it the natural wine movement. The three of you guys are instrumental in bringing it forward to Charleston. You know, just the way you curate your list, your mm-hmm. list, you know, the way you promote it and all that. Does the market get it? Are they ready for it? Are they embracing it? I mean, is are we there yet? How does that I mean, work? Yeah, very, yeah. I mean, very much so. I think um, I, I try to shy away from the terms that with undefinitive kind of terms like natural wine and things like that just because I think we, we were using the right terminology here earlier just about wines that we're passionate about I don't have to drink perfect wine right. you know and I'm okay with a little bit of um, bacteria or VA or something on those lines as long as it adds to the yeah, the uniqueness of the wine itself. Um, I think that when you get young people or passionate owners about a, a beverage um, your guests know they're coming into something where they can learn something, where they should try something new, and where they can get behind things that we're uh, excited about. And that's, I think, been the best way to spread the message so far. You feel the same way, you yeah. guys? I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, as you know, as a retailer and as someone that sells, you know, at the bar, um, I think the, the intent is the most important thing. And, you know, I think that for us, what we try to communicate to our guests or our customers is that, we're looking for well-made wines, and you know, and we're we're honest about the wines that we you know we procure for our place, and um, and I think that you know we pay attention to the winemaking methods, farming, etc., and ultimately what ends up on the shelf is you know is um, is a combination of wines that you know we found to meet whatever kind of. Um, whatever stand, proprietary standards that right. we have for, for winemaking. I think that that should just be something that's held across every restaurant, every wine bar, every retailer, that there's some standard for the consumer to kind of understand. There's, um, there starts to be stories behind the winemakers right. and the way they do it. Um, so we have about three bottles of open wine. During the course of the show, we'll talk about the wines, and hopefully by the uh, end of the show, we won't remember any of the wines. But I want to ask you guys this because you're all uniquely qualified. Because you all came from pretty big restaurant programs. Musk, you know, Charleston Place. I mean, those, those have been leaders in the market. Is it harder to build a small wine list and curate it or harder to maintain a big wine list? Like you... I, I think we have a unique situation here. Like Fig, 
you know, Fig is the reigning champion. Absolutely. For, and she has a small list. Absolutely. So is it harder to get that killer small list, or is it and that, that's, harder think, for a guy like Rick to have the big list? What's your feeling you know, on this? I think, I think, you know, if you talk to Rick, Rick would certainly, you know, uh, I mean, I would certainly, you know, herald the difficulty in creating the small list because you, you really do have to have more intent when you place something there like what are you what are you trying to you know uh, to communicate by having that wine there um, but I also think that there's great deal of difficulty to managing you know a really large list that they, that they have at Charleston place you know and so that's uh, the hard part of keeping it eclectic list. and you know and when you have you know at like a place at that hotel you have so many different types of consumers that come from whether local or out of town so Rick has to really kind of um, you know, please a lot of palates, and I think he does a phenomenal job doing that. And if you can kind of maneuver as stealthily as someone like Rick Rubel, I think that I mean the, the, that the difficulty there is you know is is huge. But um, I mean, uh, us working through a smaller you know um, selection of wines, etc., we really do have to be very choice about what ends up on the shelf. But so. you're always rotating. Yeah. Seasonal, right? Yeah. Well, I think and Charleston's kind of unique in that. We are super lucky to get allocated some wines that people fight over in much bigger markets, and Absolutely. people want their wines here. There's a decent distribution base. Oh my God, There's some yeah. passionate yeah. guys down here and, that brought wines. And like to run a smaller, fight, fighting for them. Yeah, to yeah. run a small mm-hmm. list and to like guys have like you that mm-hmm. they know will take it. Absolutely. Yeah, to get access mm-hmm. to these wines, it's like you ha- some some wines come through and you might not have room for it, but you kind of make room. Do you yeah. feel any frustrations? I mean, with a smaller list. Is there more you would like to put on? Per, or? Perhaps in the past, but I, th- I want to say that there's been such a resurgence of, uh, not a resurgence per se, but just a, such an influx of great wine people and buyers and importers and distributors that have grown with um, the pace of business in Charleston. So they, we've been fighting for a couple of years now for sure. I want to say we're at a point now where we can get a lot of the great wines that we had to had to really fight for it for a long time. So now they're starting to show up on the regular. That makes the lists easier to Absolutely. put together. Yeah, yeah. Everything's yeah. as important as the last thing. Yeah, to answer your question about a small list too, I, um, I've done both and I enjoyed the big list and all of the um, relationships that it takes to get those world-class wines consistently um, and the organization and all things along those lines. But I'd much rather have a small list these days because it's so much more interactive with you personally and running it and always changing it and things along those lines and it, it makes it I think easier for the guests to get what you're doing and, and, and get have a wine that you are really focused. passionate about absolutely it's focused yeah. in that sense um, we're looking at three wines on the table let's talk about wine number one I guess we should start with the sparkling just yeah. quickly give me a descript of what we're drinking yeah and uh, everybody in the room Matt Cat, Alan everybody just me. grab a glass Please. and start pouring <laughs> yeah. all right don't be afraid For just sure. walk right up um, so what are I'll we drinking on the uh, miles you're in the middle of a show you're not doing service okay <laughs> miles. This guy. Getting up, pouring um, wine. <laughs> Always a service guy. Yeah, so, so the, the first one, yeah, tell we me brought, about that. Uh, man, we brought some Gramona, um, certainly one of our favorite uh, Spanish producers. Um, I guess they were formerly a Cabla producer, but I think, they've, I think they're leaving the DO. Um, but uh, the wines are remarkable. Um, they've got a lot of history in the region. But this is their Imperial. Um, wine's been aged for, I think, 60 months on the lees, but it's just beautiful sparkling wine. No matter the appellation, you can't help but to appreciate this wine. It's beautiful. I thought it'd be great for a day like this. What so. are we talking retail? 
ballpark. Um, you don't have to be precise. 39, I think 36, yeah, 36, yeah. So, so it's really a high-end quality Spanish this is, sparkler. I mean, it's yeah. It's not a cava? It's no, well, the, yes, it's, it's they're cava, but I believe they're no longer going to be uh, labeling their wines in the Cava Dio. Um, but uh, the wines are beautiful. Yeah, I mean, this is, I don't know, if, if you love great champagne, if you just like great sparkling wine, this is a delicious wine. It's delicious. So that's yeah. the Gramona Imperial and all yeah. that. <coughs> the other thing I'm curious about with you guys is all of you guys work the floor. We talked about it a little before, um, but not why. What's the compulsion where you finally throw your arms up and you go, F it? <laughs> you know, where you and Miles have been sitting having lunch and we got to get out of here. Is it the hours? Is it fulfilling aspirin? I mean, why do you leave the floor to go in? And, and ironically, all of you are in, you know, a retail kind of a concept place. Oh, right? we haven't left the floor. Well, we haven't left the floor. <laughs> <laughs> restaurant. I mean, restaurant. Yeah, floor, yeah restaurant know, floor. Fine yeah, dining where you're sure. working for fine someone dining. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not selling entrees. Well, you're in retail right. and you're in service sure. and yeah. the hours suck. Yeah, I think. But is it to do your own thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge, a huge part of it. I think, with certain restaurants, I think, unfortunately, you know, and this is probably an overgeneralization, but like the industry, there's only so many steps on the ladder you can go up before, and I think a lot of times people are probably underpaid and overworked and underappreciated when you get up that past that level of uh, being on the floor. And there's really only like a one avenue you can kind of take. It's either risk it and kind of try and do your own thing or switch industries. All right. Is that where you were at? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think mean, it was. You were in a very popular, busy restaurant, good absolutely. wine program. I mean, absolutely. what compels you to. Is there a moment or it builds up? I've always wanted to own my own place. Okay. I thought. And so the whole drive of the career was to learn what not to do <laughs> on other when people's dime. You get paid yeah, for it. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, there was a passion to share what the wines I'm excited about with people. There's a passion to play the music um, that you want to work to because you're so tired of listening to other people's yeah, playlists yeah, during service. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you, know, you know, create that vibe. Kind yeah. Of you know, I think ultimately, you know, what we're all trying to communicate is that I think, and I, what I love about STEMS as well is that I think the energy needed to change around wine in Charleston. Um, I think that if you came to this town a few years ago, I mean, great places to drink wine. But every place, I think, was very relaxed and, you know, um, you know, very calm place to drink. And I think that wine can be really exciting. It can be high energy. And we needed something to kind of reflect that because Charleston's a very high energy town. You know, we come in. We're in good spirits. We celebrate. I think you're being very kind, too, yeah. because you described an environment that existed. But that also existed with crappy wines. Yeah, I mean, for sure. guys like you and right, Matt exactly. and Miles that you know, curated and are bringing wines to people. Yeah. So that's an important But also it's a too. different experience because people are coming to town now and they're saying they're going to, you know, all these places that now, you know, in Charleston have great wine, but also great people behind that are selling the wine. So the experience is different because everyone's excited. They're like, we're going to go to Stems, we're going to go to Graft, we're going to go to all these places. There's yeah. destinations. It's, it's, destinations now. it's more handcrafted yeah. than it yeah. is no, corporate craft. Sure. Or it's so like cool that. to hear like yeah. people come into Graft and sit at the bar and be like, what are you doing this weekend? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're going to go plan a trip to Stems and Skins and have dinner up there. And it's like, people are, are hearing someone plan a trip around wine in this town. It's not something you would have heard 
five years ago. Yeah. Well, we That's also a- have, we have to give Matt a little props because huh. you guys opened up a year ago in a very hot neighborhood. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of good restaurants. Got, and right. People are moving. super lucky. With this maniac three years ago <laughs> goes to North Charleston, right? And yeah. figures something's going on here. What right. happened yesterday in uh, Bayou and Park Circle? Uh, St. Patty's Day drunk fest of 20,000 people. There were 20,000 <laughs> really? people. Yeah. Oh, man. That was yesterday? <laughs> that was yesterday. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> Did you work last night? All day. Yeah, that's right. That's a good, like, that's a good one. He's like, screw the festival. <laughs> I got tw- <laughs> screw the festival. I got 20,000 people outside my right? door. <laughs> you, got got any, you got any Bud Light? You got one in each hand. Yeah, I had you a green Bud Light yesterday. Bud Light? Sorry, I won't tell everybody that. All right, so we talked about the market. I think this is a good segue. I think you guys are pretty good barometers. In your mind and observations, how has the Charleston market changed? You know, initially in the wine thing, and then just in general, last three, five, ten years, what are you seeing? Are you seeing more sophisticated consumers, overcrowding? I mean, what are the things that resonate with you? I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, man, I think things are great. Um, I, I say this all the time, I'm, I'm thrilled that we have so many great places to talk about wine in Charleston because, you know, I, man, I, one of my favorite people in music is Questlove, and he talked about how the roots cannot succeed without there being a movement of like Most Def, Eric Badu, and all these people together, you know, coming up in, in the game. And it's the same thing with Charleston wine. You can't just have one person doing wine. You need to have several that are preaching so that people can get with it and see that there, there's a movement. So Stems, Monarch, Go Cheap Cow, Us, Wine & Company, yeah. you know, et cetera, all these places that are doing Edmonds Exchange, doing these great things with wine is great because also for restaurants, working at the grill, you know, if I went up to a table, I had three minutes to, to figure out, you know, tell them about Barolo and get them to drink in a wine. But, you know, <laughs> if there are fantastic retailers that are doing the work during the day, I mean, That's it makes point. it so much easier for restaurants to sell great wine. So I really think that really we point. really needed the movement that we have going on in Charleston to make sure that people are drinking better wine. I agree. What, what changes? I mean, you've created change by moving up north, but what do you see? That's changing in the customer and habits. Market. There's there's just much more a dynamic aspect to eating and drinking in this town. I think than there has been a long, long time. The game Young, bar has gone up. Absolutely, um, and I think that the guests know that. And guests when they're coming in to visit all these great places, they're they don't say hey, they don't sit down and say hey, I like this, I want to drink this. They say hey, what are you guys excited about? And so that's. That- the That's nice right. thing is, if you go into a Monarch or you walk in there, the customers come in with open arms and say, Absolutely, what should sure. I drink? And Absolutely. We want to explore. And like, yeah. I think one of the most, the, one of the funniest things that I've noticed is we have these kids, and they got to be in like their late 20s, and somehow they know the exact moment when the Cornelius and the <laughs> wines come in. Love it. And they, like, they call us up and they go, do you guys get these wines in? And we're like, yeah, how'd you know? Like, these just got delivered today, and they'll come and buy all of it. And it's like, how do you, not A, how do you, like, know about this super geeky natural Edna producer, but, like, B, they're going to come in, and they want to buy it all, and they want to drink it all. That's so it's awesome. like, I never thought that would happen. It's the Instagram. It's like a sneaker drop. I want, like I want to ask you about that audience. But before we do that, let's talk about the, what is it, Le Zon a Yeah, from, right, uh, so this, to me, it looks like an orange wine. Uh, Break yeah. it down for us. Man. Yeah, there's certainly a bit of skin contact here. Um, this is uh, from, I mean, I think I'd probably say for all of us, one of our favorite producers uh, in the Jura. This is uh, from Jean-Francois Ganevat. And uh, uh, this is uh, a unique wine. Uh, it's, there's not vintage. It's the Vin de France. Um, and uh, there's about, uh, it's a blend of uh, Gewurztraminer and Sauvigny, Sauvigny from the Jura. 
Um, some crazy yeah, grapes, man. Age, yeah, mm-hmm. Asian, Asian barrel for about seven years, um, blended with uh, some, I think, skin contact diverts uh, from their friends in Alsace. Um, it's a pretty delicious wine. Uh, it's got lots of texture, flavor. It's super complex. Um, I mean, so for, yeah. Let's just spend a minute on it. Just you guys are the experts. On the nose, what are we getting on this? This wine is extremely unique in the best way. I, I mean, I, it's almost. What do you get, Maddie? Oh, fruit wise, I don't know, pineapple kind of tropical aspect it's to it too. Like sort of, yeah, yeah. very exactly. Like yeah. Does that follow? Yeah, uh, I since texture is more yeah. uh, forthcoming than yeah. any other part of the wine. From, I get yeah, I get a lot of sure. candied uh, candied peach. Yeah. There's some you know orange very rind. Fruity and yeah, yeah, honey, yeah. Like honey, like chamomile. Like, what do you pair yeah. this? With? Um, man. I think a good day in Charleston uh, with uh, Santa okay. Ruby. <laughs> so if you had to go beyond a good day in Charleston and did food, what I, kind of food on a good day in Charleston? There's a tent, there's a tent like on the other side of the festival here that's, that has basically just like torn apart a wheel of Parmesan. And if I could grab that some of that. That would be good, right? The yeah. sharpness of the cheese. Choucroute, smoked meats. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think that would be terrific. Yeah, yeah. Is there a consensus among us? As Matt would say, this is a freaky ferment <laughs> of the group. This is a really good one. <laughs> this is a really good wine. <laughs> you know? But here's what I'm afraid of. And when you talk about real wine, natural wine, I think a lot of people would love this, and I think some people would be freaked out by it. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's and that's that type like, of wine. So that's just you the way it goes. servers and curators have to read... The guest. Yeah. The guest. Yeah. Well, this may be a home run or maybe a punch in the Yeah, head. there's probably no nothing nothing in between for this wine. You love it or hate it, probably. I think, I, think, well, I think when people come to your spot, they expect in a good way to like drink more wines that are like off the beaten path and maybe yeah. something that is a, yeah. a little bit different. So and they're when expecting. They come, they're, yeah. and, and, they're ready for that. You know, that. we are in a more, we're probably in a spot where we get a lot of overflow from people that are dining at Leon's and Melfi's and Little right. Jack's. And, yeah. We have a lot of people that come in that want to drink something more traditional, but we a have to this one orange wine by the glass, and everybody wants to taste it. Yeah. And it's amazing because it's, 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 there's never a middle ground. It's always like, wow, this is one of the coolest things I've ever had, or wow, this is one of the worst things I've ever had. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, it's, I'm like, I gotta try it's it. It's all in or get the We F can find the here. barometer of like what you like. <laughs> but uh, it's, all in this, it's all for the good fun of like having people try new things. And it's like, do you want to taste it? I'm happy to. But another example, too, of a producer that's. I don't know, maybe never been in Charleston before, and that'd be last year. So, again, about wines yeah. just came yeah, these wines, yeah. they don't, you don't like, I mean, these ones are, aren't around. Outside of Charleston, he's a rock star. So Absolutely. Like, yeah. happy to bring a guy in and have a tour in this they market. He's right? never available, so it's, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. it's great to share. And you're the guys that are going to get it. Yeah. Uh, Miles, you alluded to this before. Charleston's definitely a college town, not big drinkers because of legal age. Um, but it's a young town. I mean, is it a millennial town? Are millennials shaping the market, you know, as far as eating habits, wine habits? I mean, do you feel yeah. a millennial uh, I mean, I don't, touch I don't, to the market? I don't think we get a lot of college kids. I mean, we No, get, forget the college. But it is a college town. No, but then, and that's the thing about, um, I think that's the thing about when you talk, when you get into this whole, you could have a whole another podcast about social media influence on wine and yeah what, i would love because like that. wines come into the spotlight and then a month later they go away and how'd you know my next question yeah but talk to me about how is the market getting younger are they millennials do they spend money are they interested do they give a shit about the store 100 percent. people i think i think the millennials i.e people younger than us they want an experience they don't they want to be a part of it and they want to like they want to learn and they want you know it's not like they want to be taken care of hand and foot. They want to 
actually be a part of it. And I think that's hugely important to why all of our places are successful because it's not like, hey, come in, we're going to take care of you. You don't have to think about a thing. They're curious. They want to know about it. And they've read about certain wines that are happening in certain bigger markets. And um, it allows us to experiment a lot more. And it's like people are open to trying new things. It's like, you like Savion Blanc? I don't have one by the glass, but I've got something that you might not have had and you're probably going to like it. I agree that people definitely want the experience, millennials, and I think they're more about not trophy wines or rare wines. They're more about the story behind, like Ganavad is probably, you know, a good story and a good wine. I mean, do you agree? I mean, that's that's your existence in a way. Yeah, there, right? absolutely. They're, they're um, like we mentioned earlier, that's the perfect guest for trying something new. They come in excited. They know enough to be dangerous and, and some unique producers and stuff like that. And they're, they're, they're up for whatever you're excited about, they're going to definitely try it. And that's, that's definitely age appropriate, right? Yeah, I, mean, I definitely Because old so. farts like yeah. me who want to experiment but like the other stuff, they come in more with, you know, open arms and all Absolutely. of that. Absolutely, yeah. You yeah. agree, Femme? Femme, you agree? I mean, millennials, are they affecting your market? Is it a big customer? I think, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, we can talk all we want about a good story, but a good story is useless if the wine isn't great. So well, I think that, that... We leave it to you guys yeah. to find the story and the yes. winemaker yeah. and the good and wine. The, and hopefully so. the wine is good. But I think, yeah, I think ultimately a, a lot of people that we talk to, millennials, they're looking for good wine. They're looking for good wine. Um, it's also, I mean, value is huge, you know. That's something that we've seen in the retail sector, you know, that um, people want good wine with a good story, but they don't want to spend a ton of wine, a ton of money on wine. I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone, but saying a lot of people that we encounter, they want wine that's affordable and delicious and also has a good story. So we need to, you know, make sure that we're, we're, we're so getting those people my, good wine. My friends who are starting to have a little more disposable income are, they want four bottles of something they never had that are all different and they can try new things rather than having like two bottles of something that's cool and recognizable. Totally and agree. Some baller. Yeah. 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 It's like, I mean, it's millennials cool could buy two bottles of bourbon for one bottle of single malt. Exactly. And so you could buy, you know, some good wines and all of that. Yeah. Um, we did mention social media and millennials, social media, you guys are very active. Yeah. Has social media created an opportunity for you to create image, launch the business. I Absolutely. mean, how do you use it? Is it important? Yeah, I mean, we use the hell out of social media. You guys nail it, too. <laughs> nail it, too. I mean, we have a good time. Hey, bad. Miles and I, we have a good Tell time. Tell me how. I mean, what, what you do and Man, what we, works. We just try to relate to people. That's all it is. I mean, you don't know? you throw a post out and you get 180 yeah. likes and you throw another one and you get 500? Yeah, that's so amazing. You know, you look at it and go, wait, what did I say or do? I'm no, no, what it's, works? Uh, we've sometimes figured out. It's like anytime, <laughs> anytime that someone's like... If Femi's face is in it, or if my face is in it, like, or if it's like a bottle of like the cool, you know, if we had the coolest wine possible, and it's like this beautiful picture, you know, if someone likes it, they're gonna like it. But like, if it could be, I could be holding up a, like I said, a green Bud Light, and if it's me and like a jean overalls, it's gonna get like five. Yeah, we. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we understand that a lot of people that we talk to that we see every day, they don't have the same fascination for wine that Miles and I do. So whenever we post, we keep that in mind and we try to allude to something that they can still relate to if they can't relate to that specific wine. Because when you're posting pictures of wines on, um, on, on Instagram, people can't taste labels. They can just see no. the, they can and, just see the you art. Can't go too, <laughs> you can't go too inside either. Yeah. And they like, can see you, the art. If, I were, if, we were to, if I were to do a post with this bottle, 
I'm sure a handful of people that would recognize it would be like, wow, that's really cool. They're drinking Ganova. And what, then what 90% of yeah. our... 90% of the people that what see the it. That? Are, so, yeah. we, so we try to find something in it or around it or around the idea of drinking it that can relate to the 90% of the other people outside of Psalms. Because Psalms are going to see the label. They're like, oh, that one's great. But what about everyone else? How can we connect to them? That's what we try to solve. 99% of the people so you can't be impulsive. Media. It can't yeah. be just you know a show for you guys. Yeah. But exactly. I, I honestly think that there's a good crew of people that at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon, if you post all the stuff you're excited about that's by the glass for that day, they're going to make their plans right there. They say, oh, I'm going to go out and drink wine there tonight. So that's immediacy, Imme- discovery. Absolutely. That's- they're making their plans on the weekend based on uh, the wines that might be available at a particular place. Well, and, and I think one of the things that we notice all the time, too, and I think this is, again, a whole could be a whole other podcast, is like these wines pop up on Instagram. Like, remember when we had a... The Mamacita come by and we posted a picture of it on oh, yeah. and then like someone came by, three people came by the day and bought yeah, this all of little it. Little pet nat from Brienne Day. Yeah, Brienne Day. Yeah, Shout out to Brienne Day. Love you. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, incredible wines. Um, so it could push product for sure, right? Yeah, but then there's someone like they, I remember when Philippe Tessier came into the market. It was like a bloodbath for these wines. <laughs> it was not a joke. Like people were like clawing for these wines, and it's just like it's like the spotlight just like shifts and moves and, and the wine never changes because the wine's always incredible and we always push That's what we thing. like and what's good yeah. but it's like yeah. it's what comes in and but it, we're also talking that. about influencer marketing the wine could be great it, it could be crappy but the guy holding it has an effect yeah. as to what people's sure. interests yeah. are yeah. And, and people um, get influenced from bigger markets it's like yeah, I mean, what, are, what are the kids drinking in Brooklyn I mean, and like all what? you guys have reputations in the market people look to you for discovery like you said if you do a buy the glass they're like, you know what? We're going to stop by. This that. guy's got stuff that no one else is getting. Yeah. What, on social media, I mean, is there a platform that seems to work better than others? Is it Instagram? Yeah. Is it Facebook? Instagram, Instagram, Instagram for sure. I mean, Are you gravitating more I mean, towards Instagram? We barely Instagram? pay attention to Facebook, and I hate to say that. You know, yeah. but that's, you, that's the, the only reason Instagram. we use Facebook is because Instagram makes it easy to share to Facebook. And you moved I will away? say that a lot of... And I'm sorry, y'all, but I mean, a lot of older, <laughs> a lot of older people, they, they, they follow us on Facebook, so we... You know, we want to not leave them out, so we, we post them on Facebook. But, I mean, most everything we do is for Instagram. <clears throat> yeah. All right, let's just stay with this for one more minute. Do you guys try to do video, or are you too lazy? or Because the word <laughs> too is... Too busy. No, no, no. The word is video on, like, like, Instagram works better than Instagram. Man, the response on video on Instagram is, like, so Whoa. terrible. It's It's appalling. No, not stories are great. Stories are great. But whenever we Instagram post videos on our, what is it? The oh, on the uh, post, yeah, not the story. Terrible. I can put my hand terrible. below the floor. That's where video All right, so that's in good intel. Area. So video on the stories, video on the post, not great. Stories. Video on story. Great, great. Yeah. Have you tracked? It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, have you tracked the post and stories? Do stories tend to do better? Well, we don't really know how they're doing because the, you know when I you think see, a lot of people mindlessly see, just like yeah, scroll through them. Yeah, because people mindlessly scroll through them, but you know you see whether or not people are paying attention <laughs> when they comment or if they like something. So part of me like yeah. when I actually sit down and try and evaluate all this stuff, it, it pains me so much because it's like how <laughs> like how has it become that this is the thing? But, uh, it's unbelievable. Like even I mean, I, gotta play the game. Full transparency, <laughs> like Femi is a hundred percent of why our whatever marketing game we have works and I don't it is your marketing game or it is our marketing I don't, game. I, I don't even know the login to the graph password to Instagram honestly so it's like sometimes I'll have a good idea but most of the time I don't do you um, 
do you have any kind of regiment or you try to post a certain amount of time, certain days of the week? Like you said, Friday you'll do a BTG by the glass. Yeah, honestly, I, 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 I used to have more than I do now. Um, I think that I'm always trying to think of another way to present uh, an aspect of the, of the bar we want to showcase. And so maybe spreading it out from just wine to food stuff to, to right. music stuff and just constantly promoting other a- or all aspects of the bar well, and not just bottle shots. That's the hard part because yeah. I, could, I could take a picture of me like jumping in the air with a, like something doing something stupid and it's going to get a thousand likes or I could take try to like actually do a post that's relevant and informative and <laughs> yeah. it doesn't do that well and it's like it's, you have to find the happy medium the between. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess you have to do a little of both Exactly. You yeah. want to keep that people happy engaged. You want the likes. Yeah. You know, you got to show the cool bottle. It's all, and about, gotta... it's all about figuring out how to do a balance. And that's something that we try to do yeah. every day when we post. We try to figure out the balance of what we're putting out. Are we responsibly res- representing wine? And are we making it inclusive for people that don't have the same enthusiasm that we share about specific wines? Do you... Uh, Go ahead. Along the same lines, I'm not... I think that, I don't know how I'm trying to put this, but I think Instagram has grown so much, especially in the wine world, and, and like um, friend, we bring friends and tight colleagues and, and uh, people that we have similar tastes to. The majority of, I don't know, if you have 5,000 likes or 5,000 people on Instagram, how many actually live in Charleston? So how many are actually guest viewers? Right. You're right. So you have to weigh that to like right. whether you're actually trying to get people in for the weekend or you're just kind of defining what your business is about. And things along those lines. If anyone wants to read anything cool, Letty Teague's article in the Wall Street Journal that just came out is yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good article. Absolutely, yeah, Yeah. nailed it. Do you think you would have similar success, recognition, and even some of the mojo without having social media available to you? Would it be easy to launch Graph, open up Stems and Skins three years ago? I think that it would just be a slower process. I think okay. it just, it's, it's, it's this exponentially more helped. democratic and available. Absolutely. Yeah. The honest answer is like, yeah, I hope so. But <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, people did it before social media. Yeah, I think, I think it would have just taken longer. Like, yeah. I think it just speeds up your ability to reach yeah. more people. All right, we got to wrap up in a few minutes. I want to uh, cover two more things. Let's talk quickly about the third wine we're drinking. That's Maddie's wine. What do we got here, Matt? It's delicious, by it's the way. It's the first red. It's delicious. Yeah, this is uh, the AOC of Pastugrin. From uh, George Linier. These wines are. This is. This is every day. If you want to drink drink in Burgundy for a good price every day, Pasteur yeah. Grand is kind of the AOC to go to. So speaking of social media, yeah. is post a picture of this on your Instagram because everyone should I, drink well, this I wine. I want to take a picture of the wines. <laughs> I want to take a picture. But it's a Bourgogne. Is this a Linier from the Linier family? Yeah, but this is just their little. This Pasteur Grand is what you know, based on Pinot Noir and and some Gamay. What's so they're the, inexpensive, uh, they're fresh, they're everyday. What's the retail on this? 21, wow. 23. That's yeah, right great. in there. You like yeah. it? It's outstanding. Yeah. You like it? Yeah. It's li- yeah, fun little wines. All right. Yeah. For it's me, to drink every day in Burgundy, right? For me, it's the uh, first who, time I had it. it, it I, I mean, I'm going home on mine this shit or coming to your yeah, place. I'm, right I'm about again. to run off with this bottle. I mean, bottle I need a case of this, and Alan yeah. needs a case of Yeah, Matt, Matt um, who brings us in, by the way? Before I let you... What? Who brings us in? Uh, Rosenthal. Right, right, yeah. right on the back. Absolutely. All right, before I let you guys go, tell me quickly. We'll go around the horn. Right now, 
what winemakers, grapes, regions, varietals, what's exciting you now? You know, and you can't go too deep because I don't have a lot of time, but give me one or two. Is there a grape? Is there a winemaker? I mean, it could be seasonal. It could be what you like. It could be for the store. What's cool? I mean, this is a good example. Femi, you go first. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for us as retailers, you know, we find a lot of value in, in <clears throat> pushing people towards Italy, um, particularly Where? for reds. Just particularly for reds all over. I think Italy offers tremendous uh, versatility as far as, like, you know, Drinking styles a different wine and also so that's for value. Too general of an answer. Too general of an answer. You can keep it general, but for our listeners, I need you to focus in on well, one or two places. It, I'll say, uh, I think Maggie Harrison at Antigua oh, Chateau is the man. best winemaker in here. the world. And if you're listening, I love you and I hope to talk to you soon. Antigua Chateau. Oregon nice. Pinot. Okay, he got Chardonnay. that plug in. Yeah. Well, you know, I just love California. My buddy Hardy Wallace makes tremendous wines. If you if you are a lover of Morvedra, I Jesus mean, go Christ. for dirty what and rowdy all day. paid here or something? Yeah. Dan Petrosky, love you, brother. <laughs> Dan will be on the show. In, really? Uh, Massacon. Nice, I mean. Nice. Yeah. Um, let me turn to somebody for a real answer to oh, the question, all right? That was a right? sincere answer. <laughs> that was I didn't very say sincere. sincere. I said real. Matt, tell me about, give me an exciting region, winemaker, Come on. grape. Yeah, tell an- me, just give me something that's happening. I'll answer Turn the, my people on to something. I'll answer the question the same way every time. It's in the Loire Valley. And then so the you're producers, Loire first. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the producers, their neighborhood might change, but uh, it's right in there for sure. So, so let's I don't do- know. It's like uh, Domaine de la Bolivière, Ouella okay. Moratin, Clozel, okay. Chidane. Those wines are I could go to. So every we're day. talking Shannon's. Shannon Blanc. Chaudet, I know, yeah, yeah. is a good Shannon producer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Baudry and Chinon. Did you mention oh, right Chinon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my answer changes. I was afraid of my show, Spain. <laughs> Miles, <laughs> Miles, you can redeem yourself and jump there in. There he goes. <laughs> jump in. Come on, give me a favor right now. No, I was saying like you know the reds from Alfredo Maestro in in yeah, uh, Spain. Yeah. Those wines are the value is insane and the wines the are great. Wines. And, All right. Yeah. All right. Listen. I want to thank you guys for taking some time. You guys are absolutely the best and the brightest. Your passion, your efforts, you know, what you're doing in town means a lot to Charleston. If you ever get down here, get to Graffs on King Street or get up to uh, Stems and Skin. Is it North Circle? North Park Circle, Park North Charleston. Circle. North, North Charleston yes, Park sir. Circle. Um, get up there. So I want to thank Femi Oyedaran from Graff, Miles White from Graff, and Matt Tunstall. Um, from Stems and Skins for joining us. Congratulations, Matt, for Thank his you. James Beard Big ups. nomination. And new restaurant in like three years. And new wow, chef. Wow, that's right. Congratulations Thank you. to you guys for so your one-year anniversary. That, Matt's also uh, opening Maybe he'll give you tips on how to get like yeah. a James Beard nomination, <laughs> but I'll leave that between you three, all right? Yeah. Well, thank you and for your attention. For sure. Listen, every time I come here, I'll be glad to have you guys on. Let me wrap this up. Thank you to Lake Crusade and the Julia Child Foundation for making Heritage Radio Network on tour at Charleston Wine and Food possible. Um, I'm Sam Ben Ruby from the Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported nonprofit based in beautiful downtown Bushwick, Brooklyn. Listen to over 10,000 episodes of Food Radio Podcast and become a member at heritageradionetwork.org. And don't forget, we're going to be posting these shows on podcasts so they'll be available at your you know, leisure to listen to any time you know, on the road with the Heritage Radio Network. So again, thank you guys for coming in. Great show.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.